Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Indeed, in the first instance, invited a select party, including the two physicians, with Mr. Toller and Mr. Wrench, expressly to hold a close discussion as to the probabilities of Raffles's illness, reciting to them all the particulars that the death was due to delirium, tremens, and the medical gentlemen, who all stood undisturbedly on the old paths in relation to this disease, declared that they could see nothing in these particulars which could be transformed into a positive ground of suspicion. But the moral grounds of suspicion remained. The strong motives Bulstrode clearly had for wishing to be rid of Raffles, and the fact that at this critical moment he had given Lydgate the help which he must for some time have known the need for, the disposition, moreover, to believe that Bulstrode would be unscrupulous, and the absence of any indisposition to believe that Lydgate might be as easily bribed as other haughty-minded men when they have found themselves in want of money, even if the money had been given merely to make him hold his tongue about the scandal of Bulstrode's earlier life, the fact threw an odious light on Lydgate, who had long been sneered at as making himself subservient to the banker for the sake of working himself into predominance and discrediting the elder members of his profession. Hence, in spite of the negative as to any direct sign of guilt in relation to the death at Stone Court, Mr. Hawley's select party broke up with the sense that the affair had an ugly look but this vague conviction of indeterminable guilt, which was enough to keep up as much head-shaking and biting innuendo even among substantial professional seniors, had, for the general mind, all the superior power of mystery over fact. Everybody liked better to conjecture how the thing was than simply to know it, for conjecture soon became more confident than knowledge, and had a more liberal allowance for the incompatible. Even the more definite scandal concerning Bulstrode's earlier life was, for some minds, melted into the mass of mystery, as so much lively metal to be poured out in dialogue and to take such fantastic shapes as heaven pleased. This was the tone of thought chiefly sanctioned by Mrs. Dollop, the spirited landlady of the tankard in Slaughter Lane, who had often to resist the shallow pragmatism of customers disposed to think that their reports from the outer world were of equal force with what had come up in her mind. How it had been brought to her she didn't know, but it was there before her as if it had been scored with a chalk on the chimney-board, Bulstrode should say. He is inside that black as if the hairs of his head showed the thoughts of his heart. He'd tear him up by the roots. That's odd, said Mr. Limp, a meditative shoemaker, with weak eyes and a piping voice. Why, I read in the trumpet that was what the Duke of Wellington said when he turned his coat and went over to the Romans. Very like, said Mrs. Trollope. If one rascal said it, it's more reason why another should— but hypocrite as he's been and holdin things with that eye and as there was no person in the country good enough for him he was forced to take old harry into his counsel and old harry's been too many for him ay ay he's accomplice you can't send out of the country 
said mr crabbe the glazier who gathered much news and groped among it dimly but what i can't make out is there's them says bulstrode was for running away for fear of being found out before now he'll be drove away whether or no said mr dill the barber who had just dropped in i shaved fletcher hawley's clerk this morning he's got a bad finger and he says they're all of one mind to get rid of bulstrode mr thesiger is turned against him and wants him out of the parish and there's gentlemen in this town says they'd as soon dine with the fellow from the hulks and a deal sooner i would says fletcher for what's more against one's stomach than a man coming and making himself bad company with his religion and giving out as the ten commandments were not enough for him and all the while he's worse than half the men at the treadmill fletcher said so himself it'll be a bad thing for the town though if bulstrode's money gets out of it said mr limp quaveringly ah there's better folks spend their money worse said a firm-voiced dyer whose crimson hands looked out of keeping with his good-natured face but he won't keep his money by what i can make out said the glazier don't they say as there's somebody can strip it off him by what i can understand they could take every penny off him if they went to law in no such thing said the barber who felt himself a little above his company at dollops but liked it none the worse fletcher says it's no such thing he says they might prove over and over again whose child this young law was and they'd do no more than if they proved i came out of the fens he couldn't touch a penny look you there no said mrs dollop indignantly i thank the lord he took my children to himself if that's all the law can do for the motherless then by what it's no use your father and mother is but as to listening and what one lawyer says without asking another i wonder a man of your cleverness mr dill it's well known there's always two sides if no more else who to go to law i should like to know it's a poor tale with all the laws there is up and down and if it's no use proving whose child you are fletcher may say that if he likes but i say don't you fletcher me mr dill affected to laugh in a complimentary way at mrs dollop as a woman who was more than a match for the lawyers being disposed to submit to too much twitching from a landlady who had a long score against him if they come to law and it's all true as folks say there's more to be looked to nor money said the glazier there's this poor creature is dead and gone by what i can make out he's seen the day when he was a deal finer gentleman nor bulstrode finer gentleman i'll warrant him said mrs dollop and a far personabler man by what i can hear as i said when mr baldwin the tax-gatherer comes in a standin' where you sit and says bulstrode got all his money as he brought into this town by thieving and swindlin i said you don't make me no wiser mr baldwin it set my blood a-creepin to look at him ever since year he came into sotter lane a wantin to buy the house over my head folks don't look to colour a dough tub and stare at you as if they wanted to see into your backbone for nothink that was what i said and mr baldwin can bear me witness and in the rights of it too said mr crabbe for by what i can make out this raffles as they call him was a lusty fresh-coloured man as you'd wish to see and the best o company though dead he lies in lowick churchyard sure enough but what i can understand is them knows more than they should know about how he got there i'll believe you said mrs dollop with a touch of scorn at mr crabbe's apparent dimness when a man's been twice to a lone house and there's them that can pay for hospitals and nurses for half the countryside choose to be sitters up night and day and nobody come near but a doctor as is known to stick at nothing as poor as he can hang together and after that so flush o money he can pay off mr biles the butcher his bill has been running for the best o joints since last michaelmas was a twelfth month i don't want anybody to come and tell me there's been more going on nor the prayer-book's got a service for i don't want to stand winking and blinking and thinking mrs dollop looked round with the air of a landlady accustomed to dominate her company there was a chorus of adhesion from the more courageous but mr limp after taking a draught placed his flat hands together and pressed them hard between his knees 
looking down at them with blear-eyed contemplation, as if the scorching power of Mrs. Dollop's speech had quite dried up and nullified his wits, until they could be brought round again by further moisture. "'Why shouldn't they dig the man up and have the crowner?' said the dyer. "'It's been done many and many's the time. If there has been foul play, they might find it out.' "'Not they, Mr. Jonas,' said Mrs. Dollop emphatically. "'I know what doctors are. They're a deal too cunning to be found out.' "'And this Dr. Lidgate, that's been for cutting up everybody before the breath as well after their body, it's plain enough what use he wanted to make a looking into respectable people's insides. He knows drugs, you may be sure, as you can neither smell nor see, neither before they're swallowed nor after. Why, I've seen drops myself, ordered by Dr. Gambit, as is our club doctor and a good character, and has brought more live children into the world nor ever another in Middlemarch. I say, I've seen drops myself, as made no difference whether they was in the glass or out.' and yet have gripped you the next day. So I'll leave your own sense to judge. Don't tell me. All I say is it's a mercy they didn't take this Dr. Lydgate on to our club, as many a mother's child might have rued it. The heads of this discussion at Dollops had been the common theme among all classes in the town, had been carried to Lowick Parsonage on one side and to Tipton Grange on the other, had come fully to the ears of the Vincey family, and had been discussed with sad reference to poor Harriet, by all Mrs. Bulstrode's friends, before Lydgate knew distinctly why people were looking strangely at him, and before Bulstrode himself suspected the betrayal of his secrets. He had not been accustomed to very cordial relations with his neighbours, and hence he could not miss the signs of cordiality. Moreover, he had been taking journeys on business of various kinds, having now made up his mind that he need not quit Middlemarch, and feeling able, consequently, to determine on matters which he had before left in suspense. "'We will make a journey to Cheltenham in the course of a month or two, he had said to his wife. "'There are great spiritual advantages to be had in that town, along with the air and the waters, and six weeks there will be eminently refreshing to us.' He really believed in the spiritual advantages, and meant that his life henceforth should be the more devoted because of those latter sins which he represented to himself as hypothetic, praying hypothetically for their pardon. "'If I have herein transgressed.' As to the hospital, he avoided saying anything further to Lydgate, fearing to manifest a too sudden change of plans immediately on the death of Raffles. In his secret soul he believed that Lydgate suspected his orders to have been intentionally disobeyed, and in suspecting this he must also suspect a motive. But nothing had been betrayed to him as to the history of Raffles, and Bulstrode was anxious not to do anything which would give emphasis to his undefined suspicions. As to any certainty that a particular method of treatment would either save or kill, Lydgate himself was constantly arguing against such dogmatism. He had no right to speak, and he had every motive for being silent. Hence Bulstrode felt himself providentially secured. The only incident he had strongly winced under had been an occasional encounter with Caleb Garth, who, however, had raised his hat with mild gravity. Meanwhile, on the part of the principal townsman, a strong determination was growing against him. A meeting was to be held in the town hall on a sanitary question which had risen into pressing importance by the occurrence of a cholera case in the town. Since the Act of Parliament, which had been hurriedly passed, authorizing assessments for sanitary measures, there had been a board for the superintendence of such measures, appointed in Middlemarch, and much cleansing and preparation had been concurred by Whigs and Tories. The question now was whether a piece of ground outside the town should be secured as a burial ground by means of assessment or by private subscription. The meeting was to be open, and almost everybody of importance in the town was expected to be there. Mr. Bulstrode was a member of the board, and just before twelve o'clock he started from the bank with the intention of urging the plan of private subscription. 
under the hesitation of his projects he had for some time kept himself in the background and he felt that he should this morning resume his old position as a man of action and influence in the public affairs of the town where he expected to end his days among the various persons going in the same direction he saw lydgate they joined talked over the object of the